Hey everyone, this is Jamie Austin, pastor of Woodlake Church. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Woodlake, head on over to woodlake.church and enjoy this message. Hey, good morning, Woodlake family. How are you? If you're new with us, my name is Jamie, my wife Jen, pastor of this amazing church family. And we are so excited to have you with us here today. Hey, so Woodlake family, give all of our guests just a huge round of applause. We just want to welcome you here today. If you're new with this, we are smack dab in the middle of a series that we have entitled Flannel Board Jesus. Now, I know some of you have been here and you're enjoying, have you enjoyed this series? It's been a lot of fun, hasn't it? Now, some of you are too young to remember what a flannel board is or even know, but this was the first piece of high-tech teaching equipment. Felt wrapped on a board, placed on an easel, then the teacher would have uh, characters that they would cut out, and as they would tell stories, especially in Sunday school, if you'll remember that, Sunday, they would put the pieces on the board and tell stories, okay? And so if you were here the first week, we learned that the number one person that needs to be invited into church and talked about is none other than himself, the one and the only Jesus. Very good. How many think Jesus needs to come to church? Okay. Jesus established the church. Jesus died for the church. Jesus ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit to the church. And one day real soon, Jesus is coming back for the for the church. Okay. Now, the first week we talked about Abraham and Isaac. How many of you remember that story there? Abraham and Isaac. And the neat part about Abraham and Isaac is that we learn a lot through this story, Abraham and Isaac. And we'll unpack it here in just a moment. Okay. Abraham and Isaac, the dad that should have charges brought up on him. Somebody say, amen, okay? So the first week was Abraham and Isaac. The very next week, we talked about none other than the man himself, Joseph. Joseph in the coat of many colors. Joseph that ascended to the right hand of Egypt in Pharaoh, the right hand of the Pharaoh, to become in charge of... Egypt, ultimately, he was put in charge of making way for people to survive during a famine. How many of you enjoyed that story right there? Okay. The very next story, last week, and I'm going to have to be really careful, we talked about little Lammy. And if you hear last week, little Lammy had a rough week, <laughs> right? We talked about the Passover lamb, okay? So we will put little lammy up here and little lammy had a rough, rough week. Okay. Now, we've been talking about these Old Testament stories for a reason. If you've been here, what we've been looking at is what Bible scholars call types and shadows of Christ in the Old Testament. Let me rewind that. Types and shadows of Christ. Did you say Christ in the Old Testament? The answer is yes. There's this idea in the Bible that from Genesis all the way to Revelation, God is talking about Jesus. Okay? So we have been looking at these Old Testament stories as types and shadows of Christ. Now, you, Jamie, are you sure? Are, are you sure that Jesus is in the Old Testament in these stories? Well, let's set the foundation, okay? In Colossians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul is talking about Old Testament practices and principles and, and ceremonies 
And, and the Apostle Paul says this, these are a shadow of the things to come. The reality, however, is found in, in Christ. Jesus even said it in Luke 24. He said, this is what I told you that I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled about me that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Did you catch that? Jesus, in essence, said, the entire Old Testament is about me, is what he said. Then he said this in John chapter 5. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. So Jesus is saying, listen, all that Old Testament stuff, it's all talking about me. So what does that mean for you and I right here today? God didn't just come up with Jesus and his cross in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. From the beginning, God had a plan. Aren't you thankful that God has a plan? And let me tell you something, man isn't going to mess up God's plan. Somebody say amen. amen. God had a plan. So when you and I dive into the Old Testament, you and I get vantage points and pictures and descriptions of Jesus and his cross and how it works. What I love about these Old Testament stories and God using them to show us types and shadows of Jesus, about the time you think you have all of it figured out, God wows you. Has he ever wowed you before? If you haven't been wowed in a long time, can I encourage you to open up the Bible and let him wow you once again with how much he loves you? Through Abraham and Isaac, we learned that our sacrifice and trying to be good enough will never be enough. So God had to provide for himself a sacrifice. Amen. In Jesus Christ. And guess what? He becomes our good enough. Somebody give the Lord a big round of applause. Amen. Hey, hey. Through Joseph, Joseph sold by his brothers into slavery, ultimately landing in prison, ultimately through his prison experience, ascends to the right hand of Pharaoh. Ooh, boy, doesn't that sound familiar? And when everybody else was about to die, Joseph had made provision during a famine that his entire family was able to be saved. And when Jacob died... His brothers thought that Joseph was going to hold a grudge and kill him. And ultimately, Joseph says this, do not be afraid. What has been done has been done by the Lord for the saving of many lives. Oh, doesn't that sound familiar here today? If you have said yes to Jesus Christ, even if you don't have it all figured out, can I encourage you here today? You do not have to be afraid. Amen. He saved you and I not because of what we have done. He saved you and I because of his grace and mercy. Give the Lord a big round of applause. Amen. Then we skipped. Then we skipped to the book of Exodus. And Exodus, God's people in bondage and slavery. This story took place 400 years after all of this Joseph stuff. And they were in slavery and bondage. And God wanted to set his people free. And all of a sudden, that's where little lammy comes into play. The Passover lamb. The lamb that was without blemish, the lamb was without perfect, had to be slain. And the blood applied to the doorpost. And we learn this is a picture of Jesus, the lamb of God that was slain. Come on, somebody. And when his blood is applied to the doorpost of our life, you and I pass through from death unto life. Amen. What a picture of Jesus. Anybody getting fired up about this? Just me. We're going to keep on going here today. Now, some of you may sit here and say, okay, you've given us scripture, 
uh, where Jesus is in the Old Testament, okay. But I'm still not understanding it. Well, let me say it this way. There's this concept in cinema and movies, this practice called Easter egging. Ironic. It's where the producer or the writer leaves their signature in the movie. Now, if you remember Harrison Ford, who played Han Solo, also played, in my opinion, one of the greatest characters of all time, Indiana Jones, right? You realize that in an Indiana Jones movie, back in one of the hieroglyphs, you can't see it real good, but that is a picture of R2-D2 and C-3PO. <laughs> Isn't that cool? <laughs> or not, who cares, right? Okay. Every episode of Seinfeld has Superman in it because Jerry Seinfeld is a Superman guy. How cool is that? If you've ever seen a Marvel movie, you know that there is a cameo appearance by creator Stan Lee in all of the movies. Now you say, what does this have to do with our sermon series, Flannel Board Jesus? As we look in the Old Testament, listen to me, Jesus makes a cameo appearance from the beginning of Gen Genesis all the way through. Somebody say amen. So as we dive into these stories, we're getting pictures and vantage points of Jesus. Jesus is popping up, okay? Exodus 15 is where we're at. Exodus 15, God's people are wandering around. They traveled in the desert for three days. Exodus 15, verse 24, they came to a place where there was no water. In fact, there was water, but it was bitter. It was unfit to drink. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? I want you to make a note of that word grumbled. We're going to unpack it here in just a moment. Then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. Boy, didn't that piece of wood sound like the cross of Jesus Christ when the waters of this life were bitter? Come on, somebody enters the cross into our life. Oh, I'll preach myself happy. We'll get there in a moment, okay? Now, this is huge. So there's a water issue. And they grumbled. Make a note of that word. They got angry with God and they grumbled. That's, that's huge. We'll come back to that in just a moment. So God says, fine, I'm going to provide. But he tells them something about this in, in Exodus 15. If you go to verse 25, he said, there the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. Your version might say this. He said, this water issue will be a test for you. Everybody say test. How many of you don't, some of the students are in here like, you've been on fall break, it's been nice, and life has been to hit you in the face on Monday, right? <laughs> don't want to talk about tests right now. But he said, listen, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this water fit to drink, but this is going to become a test. How many of you had a teacher that liked to trick you with tests? And you knew that you better pay attention because that teacher was going to pull some random question that they talked about for one second, and all of a sudden it's going to end up on a test. Have you ever had that teacher before? Your favorite teacher. But you knew you better pay attention. If you go to Exodus 16, they ran out of food. And God provided manna and quail. How many of you remember that story, right? So God provided water to drink, provided manna and quail. Let's go one more chapter. Exodus 17 is where we're going to be. Check this out. The whole Israelite community set out from the des desert of sin, traveling from place to place, as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they, and here it is again, quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you, here it is again, 
quarrel with me, why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children, and listen to this, our livestock die? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb, strike the rock. Everybody say strike the rock. And water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now, before we go any further, I want you to listen to me. Some of you still may not be so sure about this. In fact, I even had somebody the other day go, I'm going to look this up for myself. I'm like, oh, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't read your Bible for yourself. Oh, you know. Gotcha. <laughs> in, in photography and painting, there's this effect called the Drost effect. It's where a photographer or a painter will paint the same picture within a picture, within a picture. It looks something like this right here. The idea is, is that it creates a loop that just keeps going and going and going. The cool part about this is that once you notice it, you can't unsee it. Does that make sense? It captures your mind. My prayer is that during this series, as we look at Jesus all throughout the Old Testament, that somehow, some way, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you and I can no longer unsee Christ. Does that make sense? So Exodus 15, they had a water issue, and they grumbled, and grumbled was a big word. Everybody say grumble, okay? Everybody grumble, do that. Okay. You're a little too good at that, but that's fine. That's fine, okay? All right. They grumbled against Moses and said, give us some water to drink. They grumbled. They, they said this, you brought us out here to die. You brought us out here to die. God hears this and says, here's how we're going to do it. You're going to go out in front of the people with your staff in hand. This staff is huge, okay? Put it right here. The staff is huge. Let me tell you why. This is the same staff that in the court of Pharaoh, he threw it down and it became a snake. Some of you remember that story. This is the same staff that when God was announcing plagues on Egypt, he struck the Nile with and turned it to blood. You with me? Same staff. He does something very strange. He says, listen, go out to the rock at Horeb. I'm coming, I'm coming, coming. Here we go. Go out to the rock at Horeb, and I'm going to stand before you right there. And he says this, when I tell you, Strike the rock. And water's going to come out of it. Now, you may sit there and say, 
Okay, Jamie, uh, how is Jesus in this picture of all? How many think it's good that we go to Scripture for literally everything? Okay, here we go. Jesus is the rock. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament was speaking of this exact experience, this exact moment in the book of Exodus, and he says this, they all ate the same spiritual food, drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock, listen to this, that accompanied them, and that rock was, everybody say it, Christ, okay? Jesus is the source of of life-giving water. John chapter 4, Jesus said this, talking to the Samaritan woman, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Okay. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. Check this out. The psalmist said it in Psalm 62, truly, he is my rock and my salvation. Do you know why it's so important that Jesus is equated as the rock? Let me tell you why. How many of you have ever been rock climbing on a big rock? And that rock will not move. In a world where everything is shifting, everything is moving, everything is out of control, aren't you thankful that you and I don't live by the rules of this world? Come on, somebody. Our life is anchored to a rock that will not move. Amen? Here's the next thing, and we're going to come back to this in just a moment. Jesus took our punishment. Hold on to that one. Isaiah 53 says, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Jamie, what does punishment have to do with rock and Jesus? We'll come back to that in just a moment. Here's the last thing. Jesus quenches spiritual thirst. John chapter 7, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them. I was a kid. I grew up in a Tulsa public school, and those schools are old. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And you had water fountains that were all throughout. How many of you remember the water fountains that were all throughout? That you had to turn them on with a crank and wait for the water to turn the right color before you could drink it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The reason, <laughs> you, talk, you got all your vaccinations right there in the water fountain. Am I right, right? And you know what water fountain to go to because some of them had good water pressure, right? And others were hot and others were cold. How many of you know you grew up in that type of school? Starting to feel not young anymore. Okay. But I can remember one particular water fountain that this one particular spigot on the water fountain, <laughs> there were multiples, remember those? Uh, that, that that one was cold. So if I was really thirsty in the middle of the day, I didn't go to this one, I didn't go to that one, I didn't go down the hallway to the other one. I knew that there was one particular uh, uh, spigot right in, tr right in front of my fourth hour class. That water was going to be cold. And let me tell you something, all the other water was a waste of time. You say, what does that have to do with us here today? Aren't you thankful that Jesus is the true life-giving water? And there is water being offered to us through the media, through social media, through celebrities, through friends, through your own personal opinion. And if you drink from that, you will continually be thirsty, but there is but one life-giving water, one life-giving source, and that is Jesus alone. Am I right? 
you're taking notes, one point today, I want you to write this down. He took our punishment and provided life. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, wrote a collection of previously unpublished essays entitled God in the Dock. It's a fancy phrase for saying God on trial. And it's this idea that suggests that modern human beings, rather than seeing themselves standing before God in judgment, prefer to place God on trial while acting as judge. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? Well, check this out. 1970, true story. Arizona lawyer Russell T. Tanzi filed a lawsuit against God on behalf of his secretary, Betty Penrose, seeking $100,000 in damages. Penrose blamed God for his negligence by allowing a lightning bolt to strike her house, and when God failed to turn up in court, Penrose won the case by default. I would love to see them collect on that, wouldn't you? Now you sit there and say, this is crazy. Who would put God on trial? Let's make it real here. Mankind does this all the time. I've done this. You've done it. No, I haven't. Um, Has God ever not acted according to your plan? And sometimes outwardly, we just get mad at God. Maybe somebody we prayed for and believed God for healing and they were not healed like we thought. Maybe something happened that we didn't plan on and surely God's not keeping his word. Let me tell you how it manifests. We don't write an essay and put God on trial and we don't, we don't bring him into a court and hope we can collect. Let me tell you what really happens. God doesn't go according to our plan. We begin to doubt. We begin to get angry and here's what goes. Listen how it manifests. We stop going to church and blame it on we're busy. We're offended. I don't like the music. Y'all with me? When really, we're actually offended at God. Now, don't, don't feel, don't get nervous. Aren't you thankful we got a God who's got big shoulders? I cannot tell you how many times, in fact, the older I get, the more I realize that God has uh, very little concern about my plans. But he's a God of details and a God of timing. But on some level, we begin to doubt God. And the judgment we pass on them is this. I'm going to act spiritual and I'm going to believe because there's really nothing else better to believe right now. But the reality is I don't trust God because God didn't keep his word. Isn't it amazing how our opinions become so powerful in our life? This word quarrel, all throughout Exodus, they quarreled with Moses and with God. Why do you put the Lord your God to the test? This word quarrel was not just a playground disagreement. This wasn't just somebody getting their feelings hurt then passive-aggressively blowing up on Facebook. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all got relatives and friends that the only reason you're friends with them on Facebook is for the pure entertainment value alone. (laughs) Oh, they're losing their mind again. (laughs) This ought to be good. (laughs) 
quarrel. The word quarrel in the original language that the Bible is written in the Hebrew, the Old Testament, literally is this. They brought a lawsuit, legal charges against God. It wasn't that they just said, God just being, God not keeping his word. <laughs> no. This language implies that they brought legal accusations against God and put their God who had set them free, who had provided water earlier, who had provided man in quail, now they officially put him on trial. If we get nothing out of this series, I think we should get that God is a gracious God. Because if I were God, there would be lightning bolts all over the place. You like that? Okay. They put God on trial. In fact, Moses said this. Cried out to the Lord. What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. They were getting ready to literally take rocks and bash his brains in. Listen to me. Not as an act of mob violence. But historians would tell us they were ready to stone him as a carrying out of a legal execution. Are y'all with me? These people assumed that they were absolutely 100% right. Why? Because they could not see God in their situation. Some of you are here today, and you're in the middle of something that's difficult. Your spirit and your mind are going dry, and you're wondering, where is God? In fact, in verse 7, that was the very accusation they asked. Is the Lord among us or not? It's interesting. This is Exodus 17. Exodus 16 was manna and quail. God had to provide food. Exodus 15, just two chapters before, what was the issue? Water. And what did God say about this? This will be a test. And just two chapters later, it wasn't God who failed. It was man that failed. But they assumed that they were 100% right. Have you ever assumed that you were 100% right? My grandpa had a saying for assuming <laughs> that my wife's eyebrows tell me I'm not going to teach you today. <laughs> Did you see, do y'all see her head do this? Okay. <laughs> if you ever wonder if there's somebody keeping me a check, the answer is yes. Okay. I, my, some of my favorite pictures I have a weird sense of humor, so forgive me. Are the dog shaming pictures that people post? Okay, check this out. This is some of my favorites here. Killed Yoda, I did. <laughs> I love that they're so cute. Here's another one. This is the third murder this week, and I'm not sorry. Here's another one. My house was being attacked by a $700 Roomba, and I saved us. You know, it was so interesting. The dogs are so cute. Cat wouldn't be that cute. That's a sermon for a whole nother day. Or maybe we need to make an altar call right now, you cat lovers. No, I'm just kidding. Not really. Um, 
know what's interesting about those dogs? <laughs> they were one, they were so sure that they were right. <laughs> How many of us are in here today? And we are so sure that our opinion is right. We are so sure that the way we feel about God for not coming through for us is right. We live in a world that people assume that they're right all over the place, don't they? How many of you found that there's very little right in the media? There's very little right in our celebrities. Hello? There is but one right, come on somebody, and that is the rock of our salvation. Amen? And if you're here today and you'd say, Jamie, I have an opinion, can I just challenge you that maybe you are not as right as you think you are? Come on, somebody. The wisdom of man is foolishness, the Bible says. Amen? He took our punishment and he provided life. They were undeniably in the wrong. And then God does something interesting. The Lord answered Moses go out in front of the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. How many tribes were there? Twelve. And take in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So the Moses, so Moses did this in the sight of the elders. Let me kind of unpack this for you. God said to Moses, he said, Moses, one of his functions, he was also a judge. He had to decide legal proceedings amongst the people. He said, take the staff with you. I will go before you and then take the elders of Israel with you. Doesn't this scene starting to sound a little familiar? We will go out to the rock. Now, the people would have known that one of the functions of Moses was to act as a judge and decide legal proceedings with the elders of Israel acting as a jury. Witnesses. Go out before you. So when Moses did this, and, the, and, and God said, I'm going to go before you. So the people see this, we'll call it a, a theophany. They see this being going out before, before Moses and the elders of Israel in tow. And Moses with the staff of judgment. They recognize in this moment, we brought legal charges against God and court is in session. But can you imagine... How many of us say things and do things out of sheer emotion without really thinking about it first? Can you imagine what gripped them? They knew this was a legal proceeding. They knew that in punishment was getting ready to be inflicted. Can you imagine? Did fear grip them as some of them came to the realization of we are the ones that passed the test? But I'm mad. I have to be right. I have a social media account. I have to be right. Or did reality set in? Somebody think to themselves, somebody's about to get it. In those days, when the judge handed down punishment to somebody who was guilty, 
according to the custom they would lay on a rock before the judge. And they were prescribed a certain number of blows on top of the rock with the rod of judgment. Are you all with me? Woodlake family, let your pastor get a little excited here today. Just like when Isaac showed us that somebody had to take our place. Just like Joseph showed us that perfect love drives out fear. Just like the Lamb of God applied to the doorpost of our heart lets us cross over from death to life. This is a picture again of the mechanics of the cross of Jesus Christ. When the people of God were guilty beyond guilty of grossly failing a test that had already been established they were the ones that should have been punished and God uses this as an opportunity to show them this is how this is going to go. God himself lays on the rock Moses strikes the rock and God himself bears the brunt of the punishment that the people were undeniably guilty of and when he hit the rock water flowed where there was none women, children livestock don't you love the Bible? Who cares about cows? I do. I'm on my Big Mac. Come on, somebody. God cares. Life-giving water flowed from the rock. Let me tell you something here today, folks. Life-giving water still flows from the rock of Jesus Christ. You see it again in John chapter 19. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, they went and pierced his side. One of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Blood for atonement. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. There is no passing through from death to life. But water and scripture, in this instance, oh, everybody lean in and get ready to get happy. Blood is for cleansing. Let me say it this way. How many of you have committed a sin? You've put your faith in Jesus. You know you're forgiven here. But you struggle with feeling it here. Because somehow, even though you know you're forgiven, your soul feels stained. Although there's a smile on your face, although you serve in church, although you can get occasional goosebump when they play your favorite music in church, you still feel stained. You see, when you and I said yes to Jesus Christ, we were the price was not just paid through the blood but the cleansing water of Jesus Christ that allows us newness of life to be made clean and keep on going without looking back. Anybody excited about what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross? Give the Lord a big round of applause. 
Edmund Clowney in the book, The Unfolding Mystery, said it this way. At the cross, the Son of God took the place of his condemned people and bore the stroke of judgment. Water. Have you ever been really thirsty? Maybe even to the point of dehydration. You, you, you begin to feel hungry. You begin to feel irritable. Some of you are like, that's me right now. <laughs> Stop. Drink water before you come to church. If, as you continue not drinking, you start having trouble swallowing. When dehydration sets in, you might even have cramps or muscle spasms. You experience maybe on some level nausea. Your blood stops flowing to the skin and your core temperature increases. Doesn't that feel like our life spiritually before Jesus? Before we had him in our life, it was nauseating. Come on, somebody. We couldn't swallow. We couldn't live. It felt as if we were dying. And Jesus says these words in John chapter 4. Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst again. Let me pause there for just a moment. That's why if you said yes to Jesus Christ and you turn your back and walk away, you know that nothing satisfies like Christ. Nothing. And boy, we live in a day and age where that has never been more obvious. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring. What he's saying is an endless supply of water welling up to eternal life. Maybe you're here today and you have plumb run out. You need Jesus. If you're here today and you are thirsty and dry and tired of doing it on your own, you need Jesus. If you're here today and you're mad at God and you personally got him on trial, although we would never say it that way, and you've already passed judgment, can I just tell you something here today? It's not he that is guilty. It is always we. But he still takes our punishment and provides life. There's an old song that we used to sing in the church written by David Sapp entitled, There is a river. There is a river that flows from deep within. There is a fountain that frees the soul from sin. Come to this water. There is a vast supply. There is a river that never shall run dry. Give the Lord a big round of applause here today. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the rock of our salvation? Jesus, that bore my punishment when I thought I was so right. That bore your punishment. And when he was struck, not only was the price paid, we get newness of life folks this is too good to be true if you're with us today and you don't know Jesus I'm here to tell you that he loves you and there is nothing you can do about it the word says that God loved us so much he gave his only son Jesus Christ to pay the penalty (laughs) the cross is a picture of what took place in Exodus 17 who took the penalty for 
all of our sins, all of our mistakes. And then he just broke it down this way. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to drink from this life-giving water. Can I invite everyone in here to bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're watching online, Pastor Mike is there ready to pray with you. But if you're with us today and you just say, Jamie, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. You'd say, Jamie, I've never had a relationship with the Lord. Or Jamie, I have, I have come up with my own idea of a relationship, but you realize you're still thirsty and dying. Maybe you're here today and you've played a religious game, but somehow, some way, through the Word of God, you've just gotten a picture of what this Jesus thing is all about. And you'd say, Jamie, I need to say yes to the forgiveness that only Jesus provides, and I need the life that only He has provided. If that's you here today, Jamie, I'm saying yes to Jesus today to be forgiven of my sin. On the count of three, would you just raise your hand? You can put it up. You can put it right back down. I'm not going to single you out. We're all going to pray, every one of us. But you'd say, Jamie, that's me. I'm saying yes to Jesus today in his life-giving water. Here we go. One, two. Raise that hand if that's you. Here we go. Three. That's me. Anybody in the house today? If you're watching online, Pastor Mike is right there. Amen. Amen. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me. Everyone say it. Dear Jesus, you are the son of God you died for me for my sin in my place come into my life forgive me and make me new and from this day forward with your help I'm all yours in your name I pray amen amen would you just stand and give the Lord the rock of our salvation a big round of applause here today amen as we close, as we close, normally, and I've said this before the last few weeks, and if you're guests with us, typically we close the service with prayer partners down the front and across the sides. We, we call it an altar call, and what we simply do every week is just give people a chance to respond to the word. Have you ever felt that in church, something going on on the inside of you, and you're like, I need somebody praying with me? Well, that's why we, we do it, especially if you said yes to the Lord. For COVID, we're trying to be safe. But right outside these doors to the right, Pastor Mike and his prayer partners are there. If you said yes to the Lord, especially. But if you have need of anything, maybe it's a healing in your body, your mind, your marriage. You need God to touch your finances. You need wisdom, whatever it is. God's word has made provision for everything. And how many are thankful you have come to a church today that believes the word of God? Amen. Our prayer partners are out there. This is all they're going to do. You can walk up and tell them your need. They're going to pray God's word over you. Some of you say, I can't tell them I need. Don't be afraid just to walk up and say, I need prayer. How many of the Holy Spirit knows what we need? Amen? He'll pray. Reagan's going to lead us in that old song, There is a River. Some of you, that was very familiar. Can I invite you just to pause before we rush out into another hectic week? Just to let the Lord remind us the cleansing, life-giving water that comes from Jesus. Some of you will sing that song and you'll sing it loud. That's okay. Sing it. Some of you don't know the words and these words are going to set you free. That's good. Some of you right now, the Holy Spirit's touched you so intensely you can't even get the words out. That's okay. But how about we let the Lord apply the life-giving water to us once again? Amen?